0: Guru Brahma, Guru Vishnu, Guru Devo Maheshwara, Guru Sakshaad Parabrahma, Tasmai Shri Guru Vai Namaha, Hare Krishna.
1: Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. Welcome everybody, Krishna Dasa here. Welcome you all to today's session. I think uh, I also need to say the prayer to Guru and God. Om Ajna Tamirandasya, Jnananjana Shalakaya, Tasmai Shri Guru Vai Namaha. Om Namo Bhagavate vasadeva.
0: Hope you can hear me clearly.
1: Welcome again. Can someone remind me which lokā we finished last time?
0: 70. 70? Yeah, we have to do 71. Okay. Let's start with 71 then. Modante Pitru. Modante Pitru. Nrityanti Devataha Nrithyanti devata. Sanata Chayam Sanata Chayam Bhur Bhavati Bhur Bhavati
1: The translation is when such a pure devotee is born, their ancestors rejoice, the divine beings in heaven dance in joy, and this earth itself becomes sanctified. So we are talking about the devotees that we discussed in Sloka 69 and 70.
0: So Naraji is saying, such a pure devotee, they have a
1: very powerful impact on everybody. So there are examples, there are devotees like Meera Mirabai, Hanuman for example, he was such a devotee. And these are all devotees who had a great impact just by being somewhere, so if Hanuman's like even today people have people play Hanuman Chalisa in their homes because even the Chalisa of Hanuman is enough to sanctify your home, get rid of all impurities. See, just imagine the power if Hanuman himself was there in the home. So that is the power of such devotees, and that Naraji is bringing about here. I would like to explain one thing that Naraji talks about ancestors. He says, the ancestors rejoice. So we are not talking about just devotees' biological ancestors. We are talking about all the people who have tried to lead a spiritual life in the past. All the people who have tried to be on the bhakti yoga in the past. All of them they feel a fulfillment when they see such a devotee achieving the ultimate goal of bhakti yoga. So all of these devotees who have been trying, they all feel as if they have themselves achieved a success. They feel like that, that happy when they see some such devotee actually achieving success on the path of devotion. So in this path, there is no competition in this path. There is no, I'm better. You are better mindset in this path. We want everybody to succeed. And such a person, such a devotee, they become the perfect example of what everybody should aim to be. So, we say lead by example. And we say the ultimate goal of life is Siddha Bhakti. So, such devotees are the best example. And they help lead the path by example. So, that's why they are so important. You know, the earth is considered as the wife of Bhagwan so when a devotee who is like a hero comes to her rescue in other words when a, when a devotee like a hero comes to rescue the earth it is like we are uniting her with her husband it's a very uh, very nice way of putting
0: it you know in other words this devotee he is trying to shield the earth
1: from all the negative forces, tamasic influences and promotes a moral, ethical and sattvic way of life. So in other words, this such a devotee is we, let us say, such a devotee is rescuing Mother Earth from all tamasic forces. So it is as if this devotee is helping Mother Earth unite back with her husband because otherwise she is distracted with all these tamasic forces. You know, they say uh, just like waking up from a dream, it liberates us from that illusion of a dream. When a true devotee discovers the ultimate truth, it brings a sense of freedom to everybody around them, because they all get a glimpse of what the real truth is. They all get a glimpse of, oh, it's possible. This person just realized the absolute truth. It's possible. And that is reality. They all get a glimpse of that. That is why they say that such a pure devotee sanctifies everybody and everything around them. And that is pretty much their sole purpose. To now help everybody lead a better life. So, I don't know if Sulataji remembers. There were two types of saints which spoke about. Do you remember Sulataji?
0: The one for whom day and night is days, night and
1: that is one and then we also discussed about two types of saints one who is uh, spending time helping
0: others uh, right. <laughs> sevanandiya <laughs> yeah. oh yeah right sorry <laughs> so <good.
1: laughs> yeah it's, it's, you can do a revision but one of the types was sevanandis so they are the kind of saints who don't keep Things to themselves. Once they achieve success on the path, they spend their life helping others also reach success on the path. So Naraji is talking about such pure devotees who are also Sevanandis. And he says they are a gift for the entire earth. And they sanctify everybody, sanctify everything around them. So in Ramcharitmanas Uttara Khanda, Lord Shiva is telling Parvati, Sunu Uma Sukhbhaye Sajajana. Listen, Uma, blessed is the family and happy are the good people where a devotee of Lord Ram is born. So in this verse, Lord Shiva is emphasizing the power and glory of being a devotee of Ram. So according to Shiva, the birth of such a devotee not only blesses their family, but brings happiness and honor to the entire world. So as you can see, Shiva is also talking about devotee of Ram. So that's why we say that this whole things about Shivaites and Vaishnavites and Shiva is better and Vishnu is better. That's all just human created headaches. Shiva himself had no problem with Vishnu. Vishnu had no problem with Shiva. It's a very beautiful, you know, coexistence out there. <laughs> okay. So let's go
0: to the next sloka, sloka 72. Nasti Teshu Nasty Teshu, Jati Vidya, Jati vidya.
1: Rupa, dhana. Rupa, Rupa Kula Dhana, hmm?
0: Triyadi,
1: bedaha. Triyadi. Triyadi Bedaha. The translation is, among such saints, there is no distinction based on caste, knowledge, beauty, family, wealth, and so on very important concept it is very important because this emphasizes the idea that in the spiritual world there is no distinction there is no such thing as caste and religion and they are all only a creation of this material world so once you are on the spiritual path none of them really makes sense so which means if if you are born in a high caste don't be proud of it if you are born in a low caste, don't be ashamed of it. Because neither of them matters when you are on the path to bhakti yoga. Let us remind ourselves. Because Krishna Himself, one of the most uh, powerful slokas Krishna had said, 9.22. That's a very powerful assurance. Krishna says, I will take care of you. Who? Who is he going to take care of those who are focusing on me exclusively,
0: you know, worshipping me. I mean, such
1: single focus. This is all Krishna has asked. Krishna has not said, if you are born in a high caste, I'll take care of you. Or if you study the Vedas, I will take care of you. If you are a scholar of Sanskrit, I will take care of you. Krishna only says, if you are devoted to me, and if the quality of devotion is strong, focused, one-pointed and consistent, Krishna says, you become dear to me and I take care of you. That is the same idea that Naraji is telling us in Sloka 72, where he says, nothing matters. Nothing in the material, man, woman, Nothing matters, caste, creed, just focus on your devotion. It's a very assuring statement made by these great sages for us. Why I'm emphasizing this is, it's a very profound idea. We discussed some of it in Bhagavad Gita also. And I can tell you based on my own experience, it's extremely important. This, this one concept which a lot of people either don't explain or they don't understand is Sometimes we doubt whether God will really help us. Do we? Raise your hands if you have ever had a doubt. Okay. Most of us have had that doubt. That is God really going to help. Have you introspected where that doubt comes from? Like what is the real reason? What do you think? Tell me, what do you think could be a reason for us to have the doubt on whether God will really help me? Let us see. Tuchitha, Peer
0: insecurity.
1: Insecurity, okay.
0: Fear, insecurity. Fear, yeah.
1: insecurity, excellent. Tuchita, you raise your hands.
0: Expectations?
1: Okay.
0: No, I don't raise my hand, Guruji. Okay. Sulata ji? Ego? Yeah, like, uh, yeah. I am sorry. sorry. Yeah, go ahead. I just. Uh, at least a little after enlightenment, I realized that I have been materialistic, and I was depending on the temporary source of happiness. Without, uh, you know, now I understand. Just being focused and uh, just uh, being on the bhakti path, it's just like that emptiness which I have, and I'm hunting for happiness in uh, all these materialistic things.
1: That's fine. All I'm asking is, sometimes we have this doubt whether god is really going to help or if god is really going to shower his grace on me this happens to everybody even saints have this doubt at some point you know now i have had this too but after a lot of introspection and then i go and revisit some slokas from the bhagavad-gita then this becomes very clear what krishna is saying it just rings a bell like this is that doubt comes Mostly, when we have self-doubt.
0: When we have a doubt
1: on ourselves. Sometimes we don't think we are eligible. Sometimes we don't think we are qualified. Sometimes we don't think we are good enough. There are many such doubts that come to our own mind. And that is what causes us to have this doubt on whether God is really going to grace us. You see, so that self-doubt is a problem, and this verse is another assurance that don't have any such doubts because there is no real pre-qualification required. Doesn't matter what kind of a person you are, you can practice ananya chintan and you can get God's grace. So this this is a very reassuring kind of a verse. I hope you're all understanding and reading and internalizing these things. So, another thing that Naraji says is, when such a person's spiritual devotion matures, they are no longer limited by social norms or man-made laws. And such a person achieves complete freedom. And when they achieve complete freedom, what is happening is, they are aligning with the will of God, will of Bhagawan. And what happens when they align with the will of Bhagawan? Then Naraji says that when anyone gets aligned like that with the will of Bhagawan, then their words and their actions all become words and actions of Bhagawan. Very profound. Very, very profound. This This is one of the reasons why Krishna has said in the Bhagavad Gita, we have to approach saints with a lot of humility. We have to approach saints without pride. And because they are aligned with God, and th- because of which their words and actions are just like words and actions of God. But what happens? What do we do?
0: We think they are crazy. because we are not aligned.
1: right? So we are still in the material world. This is where Sulaji is uh, you know, you just mentioned the right thing. The day of a saint is night for a common person and vice versa. You know, we question them. We are like, why are they dressed so badly? Or why don't they do this? Why don't they do that? And all of that. But the basic idea to understand is they are on the right path. They are aligned. We are not. And that is the reason we see them differently. And instead of ridiculing them, we are supposed to approach them with humility. And try to understand what is the right path and how to get there. So, in a way, it is. This verse is also challenging us to question our own prejudice, our own preconceived notions, and learn to see the divine in everybody and everything. The spiritual growth doesn't just mean uh, personal transformation. Spiritual growth also means a very radical shift in how we perceive and interact with the world around us. How do we see the world? How do we see everybody? How do we see the problems? How do we see the opportunities? How do we even see God? No, that, that that has to go through a transformation. That is spiritual growth. Can we go to the next sloka? Sloka
0: 73. Yataha Yataha Tadi Tadiyah yet another small and sweet sloka.
1: It just means because they belong to him. See, among self-realized soul, there is no material distinction because they all belong to Bhagawan and they are all of his divine nature. So, the self-realized soul knows that doesn't matter like tulata, chitra, simran, punam, tuchita, whatever. They are all just material manifestations but they all can see and feel the divine within all of us and they know that it is the same divine so in other words we just discussed in the previous loka that for such elevated souls there is no distinction caste creed religion there is no distinction why because they have already realized the truth and they they already know that everything belongs to him everything is just a part of him only So where is the question of differentiation? In Bhagavad Gita, Krishna has said this to Arjuna in chapter 10, verse 20, where Krishna says, I am the self, O Buddha Kesha, seated in the hearts of all creatures. I am the beginning, the middle and end of all things. This is what Krishna meant when he said this to Arjuna. Krishna was not trying to beat his own trumpet. Krishna was trying to say that that is the reality. That everything is me only. It's all It's all me. So learn to see that. And Krishna also made it very clear that everybody came from me and everybody is going to come back to me eventually. That is the universal truth. Now, the Upanishads also mention the same thing, although they mention it in slightly different ways. And uh, so there is something called as, uh, there is a text called as Mahavakyas. So, Mahavakya basically means Mahavakya, great saying. They have documented the fundamental principle of all the Upanishads. And the Upanishads, they all define or they all talk about the non dualistic or Advaitic philosophy of Vedanta. So, the, there are these four Mahavakyas that I want to talk to you about. you know, this is another Leela of uh, I just can't help but talk about it. And I uh, I definitely don't mean any judgment. So please don't misunderstand me. And uh, I'm not judging or I'm not criticizing anything at all like that. But it is just an observation. And I feel amused also and I feel astounded also like, uh, because Krishna, Krishna, Sai Baba, they all unfailingly do this. You know, because. Because I always tell, I always and I always say that don't intellectualize too much. I always say that intellect has a purpose and then keep it aside. Because otherwise it becomes a, a hindrance. It, it just feeds our ego. It becomes an ego exercise, right? And what I have seen is sometimes some devotees, they keep some doubts in their mind. And there is some intellectual something going on in their mind. But they are still trying devotion and everything, but that still stays. And somehow, for some reason, Krishna makes them wait for the answer. When the answer comes, he will keep them away. I don't know. I've seen it so many times. You know, for example, uh, Ekansh, there is one wonderful devotee. His name is Ekansh. He is in our new Bhagavad Gita class. He called me up one day before we started the Sai Baba session. And he asked me a question about Sai Baba. And I could sense that it was the intellect. It was purely an intellect exercise. So I told him, you know, devotion doesn't work like this. I, mean, I can explain, but that is pointless because I don't want to debate or anything, but you need to really approach this as a pariprashna rather than a Prashna. Right. And then we forgot about it after two months, almost two months. The day I was explaining that very concept, because it is there in one of the Cyberbus Chasacharitra chapters, that same thing the author talks about, and I was explaining the same thing. That day, for some reason, he just could not attend, otherwise he's very regular. And the next day he pings me and asks me, uh, Guruji, what did you teach yesterday? I said, I taught that very question you had, you know, so Baba wants you to wait now more śraddha, more saburi you know just like that lakshmi ji has had this question about aham brahmasmi she has spoken to me many times about it and she is very regular and today we are going to talk exactly about that and she is not able to attend you know so that just was the deja vu moment for me that these are all leelas uh, we should <laughs> we should look at them <laughs> as leelas of god so, what are the four Mahavakyas? The first one
0: is Prajnanam Brahma.
1: That means consciousness is Brahman. It is there in Aitareya Upanishad which comes from Rigveda. So, this saying basically means the supreme knowledge or consciousness which is Brahman. It is the only reality of the universe.
0: And That is why it explains that everything is inherently divine, because all consciousness is Brahman.
1: And the second Mahavakya is Aham Brahmasmi. I am Brahman. This comes from Vrhadarannika Upanishad, which is derived from
0: Yajurveda. And what that means, it pretty much says that you have to Realize that your
1: identity is the same as there is no separation. You are a part of God. So that is why Aham Brahmasmi, you have to. This is what we discussed in Bhagavad Gita. Aham Brahmasmi doesn't mean I am God. Aham Brahmasmi means whatever I think as I is a false I, it's based on ego. The real I is actually God. So I need to make room for God. That is the true meaning of aham brahmasmi, it is not something to feel proud of, it is something to feel humble about, that we are unnecessarily identifying with a false ego, that is not me, aham brahmasmi, I am not this. The third Mahavakya is
0: Tatvamasi, you are that. This comes from Chandogya
1: Upanishad which is derived from Samaveda. This says that the individual you with all the attributes is identical to the eternal changeless reality. It's the same thing. This is is a way of teaching where the teacher is trying to tell the student that doesn't matter what all attributes you have or what all attributes you identify with that God is Saguna Brahman. That God is a superset of all possible attributes. So no matter what attributes you have, it is all god because that is a part of god only so that is what Tattva Masi means and the fourth mahavakya is i am atma brahma that means this self is brahman this comes from mandukya upanishad which is a derivative of atharva veda so we are we have seen four vedas and four upanishads derived from these four vedas and all of them having a mahavakya the fourth mahavakya the self is Brahman, it points to the realization that the individual self, Atman, once you free it from the false identity, once you free it by getting rid of ego, you will realize that it is nothing but Brahman only. So, as you can see, all the four Vedas, they all said the same thing in four slightly different ways. That is why when we started Bhagavad Gita, we said, the Rig Veda says, Ekam Sad Vipra bahuda Vadanti. There is one truth, but the wise people describe it in different ways. That doesn't mean there are different truths. It just means that people are describing that one truth in different ways. So here, that is why I wanted to speak about these four Mahavakyas. Just to give you an idea that although they all come from a totally different Veda, they are all inherently talking about the same thing about the unity of the Atman with
0: Bhagawan. This is what the
1: Yogi who succeeded, who has got Siddha Bhakti, sees. This is what that Yogi understands. That is why this Yogi does not see any differentiation between you and me and they or them. Because they can see everybody same because they have That level of, this is not just some political wokeness where we say that, oh, all men are made equal. This is a realization where in the reality, in their perception, they are able to perceive the equality. That should be our goal. So when we say unity, we want, like what is yoga? Yoga means union, union with God. What does union with God mean? Doesn't mean we go hug the idol of God. Union with God basically means we come to this Experiential reality that aha I can feel it the same Atma I have this person has the tree has the dog has I feel it you know that feeling will come, and when that comes, you know that you are aligned with the will of God. we should all aim for that feeling one day. You know this is one of the reasons why some organizations, especially like iscon for example um they tell everybody, we call everybody Prabhuji, like, I'm also, I have, I have also, uh, mentors from Bhakti Marga, where, where they call everybody just Jay Gurudev, you know? So the idea basically is you want to start cultivating that mindset while you are on the path, like you cannot treat the other person inferior or other person as a competitor and one fine day suddenly expect to have a realization that everybody is same. It has to be a graduate, it's a process as we discussed, right? So the part of the process is somehow telling ourselves, reminding ourselves. How do we do that is that is why we have all of these you know, Prabhujis and calling people as Gurudis and all of that. So how that makes sense in the next couple of slokas, Naraji is going to. Provide further tips on how Bhakti Yogi can ensure success on the path. They are small slokas. I think we can, yeah, they're not big. So I think we can quickly finish two more slokas if you're all okay with it. Everybody's okay. I know some people are feeling hot, but it's only going to get hotter because summer is yet to come. So I think the sooner we finish, the better for you. So for your sake, I will try to finish it as soon as possible. So let's go to sloka 74. Vado Nava Lambyaha. Vado
0: Nava
1: Very good. Very important for a lot of us who are very intellectually oriented. So Naraji says, do not resort to argumentation. <laughs> Avoid arguing. See, it is very tempting because the intellect wants to take control. The intellect wants to show off its strength. However, as discussed earlier, the job of the intellect is to point us towards Bhagwan. But once we get on the path, then you should not be attached to the intellect. The intellect has done its job. On the path, you shouldn't be holding on to the ladder after you have already climbed where you wanted to climb. Because the intellect can only show you the path. The intellect can never take you to Bhagwan. You need to totally understand and believe that. The intellect can only show you the path and it it can only show you how you can reach the goal. It cannot take you to the goal. Because Bhagawan is beyond intellect. You can never argue and prove the existence of Bhagawan. You can only realize and experience Bhagawan and no other conclusion matters. Arguments only feed our ego and they distract us from the ultimate goal. That is why we have to avoid arguments on the path of bhakti. Once you are on the path of bhakti yoga, till then it is okay, debate and argue and intellectualize and all of that. But once you are on the bhakti yoga, path of bhakti yoga, you have to eliminate all of that. That no longer serves the purpose. What does it mean? It also means we have to stop doubting the lessons taught by the scriptures through our gurus. Why? Because again, doubts are a function of ignorance and doubts are a function of the intellect, but, 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 but it's the intellect. Your intellect has already shown you the path, the intellect has said, go to this teacher or the intellect has said, go look at and read Bhagavad Gita or listen to Krishna intellect has done his job after that again, Oh, but Krishna is contradicting himself. That is a waste. Because at that point, we have to now start approaching it with humility, with the faith that everything will make sense eventually, as long as we keep consistently learning and consistently going on the path. That is the teaching here. See, another thing to remind everybody, we discussed early on in Bhagavad Gita that there are two types of knowledge. One is ascending knowledge and one is descending knowledge. Ascending knowledge, you all understand. That is all material knowledge. We call the scriptures as descending knowledge because it has come from a superior force. Because it comes from a superior force, you can say that I don't understand, but you should not say that I don't believe. You should not say that, oh, I will believe what the scripture says if somebody proves something to me. That is a waste. That is only slowing your progress. The scriptures are going to stay the way they are. And whoever is, wants to benefit will benefit. Okay, that is uh, a very important thing to keep in mind. Let's go to the last Loka for today, sloka
0: 75. Bahulya. Bahulya. Vakasatvat. Vakasatvat. Anya tatvachcha.
1: Very nice. I can see that you are all b- getting much better in pronouncing Sanskrit shlokas. That is so nice. <laughs> Unknowingly, you are you are uh, developing that skill, building the skill. So, The translation is we should avoid argumentation also due to the multitude of possibilities and intermediateness. In other words, there are just so many possibilities. So getting into argument is pointless. If there is only two possibilities and then you are getting into a discussion that is still understandable. But if you know that there are infinite possibilities, then what is the point of even getting into a debate? Because you know that there are infinite possibilities, right? That is what it means because there are so many possibilities and also because these possibilities are uncertain and intermediate, indeterminate as discussed earlier our understanding of the world is dependent on our perception and our perception is dependent on our senses and we know that our perception is severely limited by the capability of our senses correct remember the example of those prisoners who spent all their life in a cave they are just looking at a shadow remember that right can you argue with them That no, this is not the real light. There is sunlight. Can you? You can't. Because it is beyond their perception. A person who has never ever seen sunlight, you cannot argue and convince that person that there is something called sunlight and how great that sunlight is. What is the only way you can convince that person? What is the only way that person will know about sunlight? Is if they themselves experience sunlight. All you have to do is take them out of the cave and show them sunlight. You know, just like that, there is no point arguing about God anymore, or arguing about Bhagawan anymore. What What is needed is you first get into a position of experiencing Bhagawan, and once you experience Bhagawan, you can just show others Bhagawan. But Bhagawan is beyond all sense perception. You can never theorize Bhagawan. You can only realize Bhagawan. In the Katha Upanishad there is a shloka that says Anor Anyan Mahato Mahiyam Atma asya Janto Nihito ghoyam. The self smaller than the smallest, greater than the greatest is hidden in the heart of the creature. It explains the paradoxical nature of the self, Atman, which is also the nature of Bhagavan. What is the paradoxical nature? The paradoxical nature is
0: it is smaller than the smallest or subtle, subtler than the subtlest and also it is greater than the greatest.
1: You, you see the problem. The problem is the nature of the Atman, nature of God as described by various saints and scriptures is it is this small, smaller than the smallest also, and it is larger than the largest also. You see the problem what we're trying to explain here. In other words, now, if you try to get to, to arguments, which way are you going to argue? Because whichever way you try to argue, you can go endlessly arguing because we cannot perceive that which is smaller than the smallest. You cannot perceive it. You can only theorize and you can endlessly theorize just like that. You cannot perceive that which is larger than the largest. So either way, the argument can go on without conclusively proving anything. It is guaranteed. So that is why the saints have said, we have all tried it, we all know it is pointless. So our humble request to all you bhaktas is please avoid argumentation because argumentation is a waste of energy. It is not going to help prove anything. So get out of that and start focusing on how to realize God rather than how to theorize God. There is a story very famous story where Buddha, Gautama Buddha, was teaching under the tree, sitting under the tree, teaching. Where where one man comes and he confidently shouts at Buddha, he says, "Oh, Buddha, God does not exist." You know, Buddha calmly smiles and he says, "You are right." So what else will the man say? You know, he goes away. Later on, after a couple of days, another man comes. And he very confidently yells at Buddha, Oh, Buddha, I know God exists. And Buddha smiles calmly and says, You are right. There's nothing else this man can also say. He goes away. No, Buddha's disciple is very confused. Now he's telling Buddha, how can he agree with both men? They, they were saying something contradictory, right? One person says God is not there. One person says God is there. And how could you agree with both of them? Buddha, I don't understand this. What is going on? You know? Then Buddha says, they are both right
0: based on their own experience. Very profound statement. The first man has never experienced God. So according to him, God does not exist. He says, whereas the second man has experienced God, that is why he knows God exists. So their
1: truths are a reflection of their experience not of an objective reality. It is very profound understanding. This itself will take us on the path to calmness, take us on the path to getting out of arguments and focusing on Bhakti yoga, because Buddha says that because you cannot theorize God, it is not an objective reality. It's not a thing that you can point and say it is black and it is one kilo heavy and it is one meter long. You cannot do that because it is beyond all of that. So you you either experience it or you don't experience it. If you experience it, yes, it exists. If you don't experience it, it doesn't exist. That is the reality. Beautiful, right? This is pretty much Buddha's teachings. If you want to know what Buddhism is all about, some people misrepresent Buddha and say that, oh, Buddha said there is no God. That is not the truth. This is the essence of Gautam Buddha's teaching. Gautam Buddha said, just because somebody is telling you, don't accept and say that, yes, there is God. So in other words, don't become a parrot and start saying God, 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 just because somebody came and told you, or just because somewhere it is written, you know, likewise he also said, just because you don't understand,
0: don't reject your goal has to be experiencing
1: the truth yourself. That was Buddha's teaching. and. In a way, that is why Buddha advocated, the, the path that Buddha advocated, that is why it is called as the middle way, the middle path. Because Buddha said, don't fanatically accept God. That is one path. And don't delusion, be delusional and totally deny God also. He said, that is also wrong because the atheism is also wrong and fanatism is also wrong. Buddha said, what is required is
0: that you get on the path and your goal should be
1: to analyze and realize the truth, whatever the truth is, you should try and realize the truth. So That is a Buddha's path is a middle path. And that is the same thing we are asking all the Bhakti Yogas to also do. Sri Krishna has shown us the path. Sri Krishna has shown us how to use the intellect without pride so what krishna said in this topic is use the pride use the intellect without pride to inquire into the nature of divinity and how we should eventually rise to a higher level and once we are rising to a higher level we are focused on the experiential reality of bhagavan how we are focused on the experiential reality through bhakti yoga this is what krishna said actually and Naraji is illustrating the same principle here in this lokas so I think with that, we can call it a day. Thank you so much. I really appreciate all of you spending your time, precious time and attending these classes. Some of you are feeling hot. Some of you are, uh, I really appreciate like Suchitaji, appreciate you are somewhere else in, a yeah. And you still, uh, spending the time. So grateful to you for that may krishna bless you all abundantly so with that i'll stop talking i can stop the recording as well
0: and uh, let me do that first